0: Have you ever wanted to listen to two Indian dudes just rambling on about their lives, where they grew up, and talk about biryani? Have we got the podcast for you? Listen to my friend Ramiz and I throw out words like reductionist, psychosomatic, and grilled cheese for your amusement. And remember, you chose to listen to this. All right, welcome to another episode of Brain Juice. Um, we're very happy to have you all with us today. Um, as always, this is Akshay and I've got my friend Ramiz with me. Hey everyone. Ramiz, how are you doing today?
1: Pretty good. Oh, uh, you can hear the sirens right now. <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing pretty pretty well. Um, what about you?
0: I'm doing okay, man. Um, you know, just thinking about certain things that have transpired over the last few days, you know, especially with with what we're gonna talk about today, which is you know, mostly depression and anxiety and, and you know, just how us as, you know, human beings, we deal with it in our very own ways. And uh, um, I've, I've started to realize certain things. And, you know, it's primarily why I'm here to talk to, to, to talk about it today. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I've been doing okay, for the most part, you know, haven't, uh, haven't got a chance to uh, uh, do anything real fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of work. It's been a busy week. So, well, it's just Monday, so it's already been a busy week, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, really sad to to hear about um we, you know somebody like Sushant Singh Rajput who's had that sort of public platform. Um, to, it's you know, really sad to hear about you know what he went through. Um, shows us that we're yeah. all you know even though. In India, we have this form of hero worship. We're all human, uh, and we all have flaws, and we all have problems, just like every other regular human being. Um, Definitely. Know, pretty cool to see people like Danish say it, and, and you know, of course, Deepika Padukone's has always been somebody who's been a uh, supporter of mental health. Come out and talk about it, and I think we should continue to talk about it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think de- depression as a topic is very, very important for today's uh, discussion. And before we get into our um, bouts with it, I'd like to uh, set the standard definition of depression. So there are two main types. One is something that you might be feeling that you're low um, or you're feeling a sense of um, worthlessness. And then there's uh, clinical depression, which can overlap. And um, I would definitely uh, say that these things should not be taken lightly. Um, if you or your family members having some signs and symptoms um, related to either major depressive disorders or where you feel that you have something called brain fog where you can't process as well as you could, uh, I would definitely recommend seeking men, uh, mental health conditioning either with a therapist or a psychiatrist. And uh, it can range from se- uh, seriousness uh, whether it's mild or it's just temporary, um, whether there are bouts of sadness or sometimes it might be something really severe, which is clinical depression. And uh, yeah, I think we should really just jump into the topic. So what does depression feel like to you?
0: (sighs) That's, um, it feels like a lot of things, man. To me, uh to me it's you know it's a feeling of just being sad and unhappy all the time um it's also it's it's not just bottled to those things i think it's also considerable guilt you know feeling like you're really guilty about doing something uh feeling frustrated and angry feeling like you know extreme loneliness as well um you start to just go into yourself and into your own head um and, you know, a lot of people also, you know, as a result of depression, you know, feel like they have to end their lives. And to me, it's a combination of so many things. Um, and yeah, you could, you could, you, know, you could have a dartboard with all these feelings and you could throw a dart and each one of those darts, every time you throw it and you hit something else, each one of them equates to depression. Uh, that's, that's my personal opinion. Uh, what about you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, for me, uh, it comes from a place of hopelessness and a lack of self-worth. And um, yeah, there are bouts where you feel like you have such low self-esteem and you feel that you're not worthy of being in a place of happiness and things that used to make you happy are considered chores or basic rudimentary tasks feel like as if they're very, very difficult to accomplish, um, whether it's basic things like brushing your teeth, doing your laundry, or trying to absorb some information that you always enjoyed. And there are a lot of trigger points, I feel, that that can cause depression, something that maybe is related to your social life or something that you have uh, felt, whether it's through your workplace or through your... Um, feeling of hopelessness where you're not really sure how you're going to get through the day. And I feel a lot of it has to do with, um, if it's clinical depression, it has a lot to do with uh, chemical imbalances in your brain. And those type of patterns, if you see that are chronic, which are basically over a long period of time, I would definitely recommend speaking to a a psychologist or a therapist to uh, either get um, talk therapy done um, through a proper medical diagnosis through the DSM-5, which is a statistical manual for mental disorders. And yeah, I, I, I find that a lot of men have this form of
0: uh, let, let's let's take a step back. A lot of Indian men. Let's let's talk about us as a culture, yeah. Because I, I think it's like significant to address. Like, you know, Indian men don't talk about this. Like, we don't talk about this at all. True. For some True. feeling of macho pride, we don't talk about this. And 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 you know, in 2018, there was a study out by the WHO. Uh, regardless of what you think about, you know, uh, WHO. India was considered the most depressed country in the world. It is one of the Whoa. countries that don't talk about it. And wow. in 2018, we were the most depressed country in the world. Why? Why, Why? Why is that even a stat? Here? Nobody talks about it. Even, even though we were the, the number one country in the world for depression, for mental health, today we still don't talk about it. There was an article somewhere and that's it. It's been shoved into the corner. Our parents don't want to talk about it because they don't think that they think it's a phase, right? And you know, phases, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and phases go, and phases are just that—it's a phase.
1: Yeah, uh, and then I definitely feel that I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm really shocked with that study. Um, I have a few reasons why that might be the cause, but yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, how, like in our previous episode, where mental health isn't considered an actual. Uh, biological condition. They think it's just a state of mind and they don't realize that the mind is what makes up our consciousness. I, I definitely feel that there's really not enough emphasis given on um, something that's so pretty much obvious to somebody where a person and, or an individual feels that they are not part of society or that they have a mindset where society isn't working for them. And I think it's because of a collective where we focus so much on, for men, Indian men, where this masculinity and machismo culture is gonna be the saving grace for society and humanity. And um,
0: the the one of the biggest uh, sort of contributors to that fact is that you're the man in the house now, like. Right, because, uh, because I'm the man of the house. Uh, well, first of all, that quote is so outdated and old. Um, you know, yeah. even even if that's the case, if I am, you know, that that one person that everybody looks up to, that doesn't mean that I can't talk about my feelings. That I can't be depressed. That I can't, you know, not be strong Yes, I have to pretend, but I also am sad. I'm also guilty. I'm also tired. I'm also frustrated, and we don't. Look to um, you know treatments, or we don't look to people that we trust, or we don't look to therapists to to actually talk about it. We don't talk about the therapeutic aspect of you know of depression. Just
1: having a conversation as well, like even when in our friend circle or our groups, or even that I've seen in obs- uh, observing society, men aren't given the leeway by ourselves to not. Be vulnerable with other men, talking about our um, pressure points um, or trigger points when it comes to dealing with the day to day aspects. And I think it's just a very toxic mindset where this is inadvertently taken out on other genders. And I think it's a very unhealthy way of us trying to run society.
0: I want to talk about that one part that you just mentioned there, the whole aspect of men not being able to talk to, well, not not being able to, just not willing to talk to other men about themselves and, you know, their feelings. Like um, you and I, we talk to each other quite a bit, and, you know, we're very, you know, we're very open with each other, but what's this, sort of barrier that prevents us especially in india what, what what is it that prevents us from talking to you know other men especially our fathers and uncles and i mean uncles and you know grandparents and things like that what do you think stops us from doing that
1: so i'll, I'll address the family aspect of it the first thing with the fathers and um, the uncles and all of that i think it's a cultural thing where they feel that if you have any form of vulnerability then it uh, is uh, considered a stain or a problem uh, for their kandan, which is basically their um, ilk or their clan. And that is a very negative feedback loop, just creating so much more anxiety and anger. I mean, yes. anxiety, which creates more anger. And when it comes to India, I would say that because of the um, nature of how the country is because of its economic uh, condition, which is improving, but basically because of the economic condition where due to overpopulation, there's such hyper-competitiveness and any form of uh, vulnerability is considered a weakness and therefore is um, dissected as a form of predatory, fodder, where we have this toxic, toxic feeling that we have to win and strength is winning and therefore the weak should fend for themselves. It's a very, it's a very, very um, unhealthy way of how a society should be governed, in my opinion. And yeah, I, I feel that a lot of it has to do with social conditioning as well. Um, we do have a lot of testosterone in our bodies and that has ramifications where we are more aggressive and we aren't really taught in our families or in the broader culture where that type of energy is harnessed to create positivity rather than this hyper competition where it's a dog-eat-dog world.
0: Right. And, you know, I, I want to go back to the whole stigma and discrimination part of it that you talked about. I think that's, you know, it's it's way more prevalent in women. Um, I see that so much, like, you know, especially like you're being shunned in society if you, know, you have depression. But uh, amongst Indian men, it's seen as a sign of vulnerability, like we talked about, right? And you're considered weak and then eventually creating this feeling of inadequacy um, uh, because that's what society thinks of you. You are a small inadequate man. Um, And it's very sad because that's what eventually drives you to be depressed and drives you to the edge of your, um, edge of your life, so to speak. Um, It's, it 's actually pretty sad to see that um, you know we we tout depression as as uh, it 's like okay like you'll be okay you know that's that's yeah. that 's the phase that everybody goes through, and sometimes if you have more aggressive people around you and you say that you 're depressed immediately it 's like what do you mean by depression they don 't understand it they don 't want to understand it they don 't feel like understanding it they will consistently beat you up over it and then eventually drive you to madness and it's yeah. horrible man it it really is bad uh, to see that um, I hope that you know more young people start talking about this like when I say young people like anybody who, who yeah. you know our generation younger you know I feel like we should be talking about this consistently 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 like yeah get it through everybody's skulls, like especially those that don't want to listen to you, like yeah, keep bringing it on to them. You know, let them know that this is how you feel.
1: Yeah, um, and you, mean, you got a, you had an excellent point there. Where you know, I'm I'm so sick and tired of how men and guys use uh, a woman's um, phrase as something that's to be looked down upon. Oh, he's a sissy or he's a pansy. And I've seen, I've heard a lot of uh, locker room talk, quote unquote, where it's, uh, if you're not hard or strong enough, then you're considered a woman, which is such a toxic mindset to have against half of the world's population. And that's where I feel that toxic masculinity comes from, where you um, have this tribalistic mindset with the opposite sex and uh, different genders. And. You know, it's Pride Month. We definitely should talk about how toxic masculinity affects people of other genders. And I feel yeah. that, that I feel plays into our subconscious because I feel that we are human beings first and foremost, and we kind of realize that having these type of negative stereotypes with other genders creates some co- subconscious depression as well. And we really should address that in, uh, in men, for sure. Because, I mean, I get the fun talks when you're young, where you're still having these many groups and the cooties and all that stuff. We've all been through that. But after a certain age, people need to be a bit more mature in how they deal with phrases that are, you know, derogatory towards the opposite gender or different genders. And, um, yeah, it's a very, very unhealthy way of... Um, dealing with life. And depression, it, it definitely causes not just for men, for other women as well, because and, and different genders, where you have this adversarial mindset every single time you're out with people who you're getting to know. And uh, I, I, a lot of it, I feel, is down to how we are so hyper-competitive with each other. And it's it's such a unhealthy way of like continuing this charade that we call life.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I, I you know, you make an excellent point about you know, we talked about this a little bit, something called bro culture, right? Especially oh god. especially in India, like us Indian men we have this thing of like, yeah, bro, let's, you know, chill, bro. Oh my god, did you check out that girl, bro? I mean, it's it's normal uh-huh. to it be that way. It's normal, I understand you know, some of it is normal, but we shouldn't normalize it anymore. It shouldn't be something that, that you know, we should do. Like, it also creates a sense of vulnerability, like if you don't conform to that way of thinking, like all of a sudden you're not part of the group, you don't feel like a tribe, you're singled out as an individual, and then you can't talk to anybody you're considered, you know, people start talking about you, like in social service. Right? Yeah, you're targeted. You're targeted, exactly, you're targeted, because, oh, that guy's weird. That guy doesn't, you know, do all the cool things that we do. or quote unquote cool things that we do. Um, I've been through it personally, right? Like, in in you've probably been through it personally. Like, yeah. there's a there's a hive mind uh, of bro culture, and um, <laughs> and
1: you can pick them out in the crowd.
0: <laughs> you, can, you can pick them out in the crowd, man. You can pick them out in the crowd. Now, I, I don't want to make fun of anybody who dresses that way or talks anyway or anything like that, but that is a culture that's very real. Like, I can recall it to you know, incidents back home and when we were growing up in Kuwait where, you know, there were cliques, right? Like, we had a clique too, but, you know, there were groups and cliques and, you know, um, there were always, you know, this particular group of people that were considered uh, the the quote-unquote cool kids, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, to be in their circle, you had to act and talk a certain way that was not yourself and put on a facade. Um,
1: yeah, You're just you, trying to fit in and then, yeah, it's it's such a it's such a regressive way of thinking. It it doesn't it doesn't help anybody other than pit one against each other and create these characters in your head where you're just trying to either out compete or out sexualize the different genders. And it's such a negative way of um, dealing with people's uh, personal struggles and lives where you're just i i find this a lot in our generation as well where everyone is just a number or a product and we've come to a point where i feel that social media plays such a critical lo- role in this but yeah you know, this the bro culture man i i just don't understand it i've i've felt emotions towards women but I've never understood the part where it comes to derogatory sense. I've never understood that culture. It's always made me feel uncomfortable. Maybe because I have a sister, but it's always made me feel like it's a very redundant way of trying to assimilate a group. I've I've never understood it. I, so and yeah.
0: So why does that why does that even pop up? Like let let's talk about that. Like I want to know why that culture is a thing. Like, why is it a thing? I mean, it's it's prevalent in all society and all, you know, American culture in, sorry, Western culture and European culture in, in our culture. Like it's, it's prevalent. Like, why do you think that is?
1: I, I, think I, have, it's, my own, it's, I have my
0: own thoughts, but um, yeah. I to go first.
1: Yeah. So for, for me, I think uh, for, because of the patriarchal indoctrination that we have, where all of this emphasis is given on the man, and he's allowed to do anything that he wants. And the woman is, or or the other genders are supposed to be submissive to the man. And that burden creates a lot of, initially, a lot of arrogance and uh, confidence. And that, in the later stages in life, where he realizes he's not that special little snowflake that everyone told him out to be, he starts feeling inadequate, and that causes this Toxicity where he's still trying to live in that reality of trying to be somebody who had that type of attention and he or she or they try to get a negative feedback loop. That's why you see a lot of other genders as well having their own um, groups because the emphasis is to create social disharmony inadvertently.
0: Mm, that's interesting i you know take it with a grain of salt for me it's also um there's two things number one yes the patriarchal society right um i think that definitely plays a huge role in this whole creating of this mindset um that you have to be part of this culture you have to act this way you have to talk this way and it's, it's it's very painful to see that Number two, um, you're influenced by what you see, and the st- the Indian movie industry sort of played into that quite a bit. Let me ask oh, you Oh God, oh yeah how how many how many movies have you seen where the guy has just gone and backhand slapped a woman, right? Oh my God, yeah, Countless. it's
1: still Countless. prevalent and it's still prevalent in the nineties and yeah. early two thousands when we were watching Hindi movies.
0: Yeah, I mean you you can go back to early two thousand ten. Same thing, man. It it, it it was happening. It it creates this mindset, it, you know. Especially people in the south, right? Like I don't want to bucket everybody, but I know that there's a large group of people that you know, you know. There's a lot of hero worship that goes on in in movies, right? They look at these scenes on the movies, and you know, and they all of a sudden they want to emulate it back home, and it happens. Right. And that's dangerous. Like the fact that you know. You, you, West movies still do it, but very, very rarely, and it's probably just indie movies. But back in the fifties and stuff, yeah, Casablanca and you know any Humphrey Bogart movie you pick up, yeah, it it was prevalent. Yeah, yeah we but still
1: have the Mad Men generation
0: to this day, one hundred percent do. We one hundred percent do have the Mad Men generation, and it's sad, man. Uh, and you know, the Mad Men generation, what they glorified was drink as much as you can, smoke as much as you can. And you know, bed as many as many women as you can, and that's 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 what they glorified. And people are looking at yeah. them, going, "Wow, that's such a cool lifestyle. Let me do that." And it's, it's it, it festers in you, right? I understand, yeah. you know, like as when it comes to art, art is subjective, right? But you have to realize that people take it literally. I think it's time to stop with the with the bullshit pro culture in movies. And stop polluting younger minds, right, like especially kids who were growing up who were just getting to the teen years and then slowly moving to college, like the people who bunk all their classes to go watch movies like we should there's stop.
1: nothing wrong with that <laughs> but yeah the the content that we we're we we're given it's you know they've monetized this age old formula where was from the madman generation uh, or or madman era, but it stayed in India because. It was how our society was constructed. Like like I said, it's a very patriarchal mindset. And, you know, you over-sexualize a certain group of your population and you make them feel that they're beneath uh, the men. And you create this very horrible negative feedback loop that doesn't benefit everybody. I mean, we have made this... uh, It might be better now, but we created an industry, the film industry, where... We said that, first of all, the man is the dominance and he is going to be the lead of every single uh, um, ubersmensch, basically the archetype person. Is it Uber
0: ubersmensch Uber or ubermensch?
1: Ubermensch, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that <is a laughs> no, that's so very
0: totally funny. It was, it's, it's, that's <laughs> one of those <laughs> <words> <laughs> that, <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's but yeah. Of- this.
1: <laughs> sorry, you're saying?
0: I was just saying, you know, that's one of those words that I I, I know because I think that was an old like. Uh, remember Orkut? Do you remember Orkut? Oh yeah, Orkut? oh dude, no, oh yeah, Google <laughs> thing. Yeah, I think that was one of my names on there. Anyway, that's besides the point. Sorry. <laughs> 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 no, no. Take no. Take you back yeah. to Orkut. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I miss Orkut. Whatever. Ha- oh yeah, I got sold Facebook. I
1: think right. Yeah, yeah. So getting back to that, we've. In uh, Bollywood, we've formulated a structure, just like I was saying, where the man is the woman and the woman is this damsel in distress or having to deal with her family. And um, she's basically just an object rather than somebody who is a conscious being. And that formula has worked in the past. So they just keep feeding on that for box office hits. And having a patriarchal structure doesn't really get the numbers down. So. It has to come from the grassroots if things are gonna change. And um, yeah, I I I have this converse I, I wanna have this conversation and I hope men who feel like they're part of the bro culture are listening. And I wanna ask them that do you think that having this type of mindset might lead to your depression? Because you can't expect people from different genders to just hero worship you like you, your mommy and daddy might have just because you were you got the biological lottery in a certain culture because you got to realize that times have changed and people don't have to deal with that you might try to get um, validation through getting a very lucrative job but ultimately is that gonna fulfill your life more than a meaningful relationship where you see somebody else as your peer rather than your subordinate. I, I really hope you ponder that because these are the tough questions that we have to ask to ourselves and to society at large.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, that's very, very true. Um, in part two, I think we'll get to really talking about you know depression in, in, in men. Uh, we'll get to probably talking about um, It's just around, you know, just talking about like honest debates about, you know, how do we put our emotions aside to look less vulnerable and things like that. So we'll uh, talk to you guys in uh, part two. Thanks for being with us in part one. In part two, we dive deeper into the depression amongst Indian men, why we don't like to talk about it and how that leads to toxic masculinity. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome to part two, uh, where we're talking about um, depression and mental health amongst uh, Indian men. I know we had a whole episode dedicated to mental health, but I think this is like a good continuing of the series uh, where we talk about mental health in India. Um, You know, I was just thinking about this for me. It's like when we were growing up, right? Like, you know, we were Always brought up under the notion that men need to be stoic and reserved, and you know they need to be strong-willed and and all that good stuff. But you know, I don't know if men nowadays thought to be, you know, it, it thought that it's okay to be emotionally vulnerable. Like it's okay to cry, right? Like we've talked about it a lot. Like it's okay to cry. It's one of the most natural things that you can do as a human being. I wanted to kind of get your perspective on, you know, say if you had an, you know, you had a situation that, you know, was particularly distressing to you, how did you deal with it and how do you go about that?
1: Yeah, you brought up an excellent point about stoicism and I feel that stoicism is very misunderstood nowadays where... Yeah. Just just being to clarify. Ex,
0: yeah. Just to clarify, we're not talking about the Marcus Aurelius stoicism. We're just talking about, you know, you being you know, you have to be reserved. You have to bottle up all the feelings inside of you and be principled. Like uh, that's that's what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally get it. Where, you know, we have perverted this idea of honor, and we have really made it a point where honor and masculinity go hand in hand. And it has mutated to this very, very um, unhealthy way of how we look ourselves in the mirror. And yeah, it definitely is something where, you know, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. And if you're going through something that's really, really uh, depressing or you feel it's creating um, a mental health condition where you can't perform... Routine tasks, or you feel that it's causing um, a loss in productivity in whatever you think you're doing, you definitely should seek um, help of your loved ones and talk to them. Tell them that, you know what, you are not helping me out in my emotional health. And if that is not available to you, I think talking to a therapist really helps. And if you have a really good friend, I would really recommend talking to him or her or anyone on the gender spectrum, because if you're in your head the whole time, you're going to have, and if you have depression on top of that, you're going to have this negative feedback loop where you're going to have really unsavory thoughts about yourself and possibly have this uh, blame game going on where you inadvertently have somebody in the crosshairs and it comes to a point where you have to make a very strong decision in your life where you have to see whether dealing with your dealing with it yourself is helping or you need somebody to help you have this conversation where all of the negativity is brought out. And if you have a confidant, I would recommend that. But if that isn't there, I highly, highly recommend talking to somebody who is a third party and who's not emotionally invested in your, your mindset.
0: Or find a friend, take a friend and make him do a podcast called Brain Juice. Also- <laughs> uh.
1: For sure, for sure. I mean, me dealing with uh, uh, anxiety and depression and fear of failure has created a really, really uh, toxic mindset in myself and it has spilled over to a few of my loved ones. And I'm not ashamed to admit it because I feel that the more you talk it out, the more you heal. And this podcast has been a form of therapy for me as well, because I'm able to have uh, a friend who I really consider a really dear friend. And, and I've had uh, Amitoj as well, who's had this, who's been this outlet. And you guys have helped me get through a lot of uh, tough questions that I've had in my head for a long time. And just having somebody to either agree or disagree with you, having that outlet or that portal definitely makes you feel like you're not alone. Because the thing with depression is you kind of are stuck in your own head most of the time and you feel like you're alone. And I, yeah, I, I still blame that on externalities like pro-culture. Or this hyper competition, where if you should show a kink in your armor, then you are somehow not worthy of being called a "quote unquote" man.
0: Yeah, that's. I, I'm smiling because I agree with like everything you're just saying. I'm such
1: a poet, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I think we, we've both been there. There's a question I've been meaning to ask you. You. Know, Our families, right, especially like Indian families, I keep saying especially like Indian families. I'm just going to assume that everybody thinks that we're Indian. Um, We put a lot of emphasis on physical health. Like, you know, when your relatives see you the next time, they're like, oh, how are you? Yeah, you're looking pretty big or you're looking stronger, you're looking taller. I wanted to kind of ask you, like, you know, apart from like the whole conversation about physical health and, you know, how goes school and studies and stuff like that. Have you ever had a conversation with your family about mental health or emotional health for that matter?
1: Not until recently, no, because even though I have been trained in the medical field, a lot of emphasis is not given on emotions. We've talked about the anatomy and the physiology and the chemistry of all these things. But the whole concept of consciousness is never really brought up because it's considered um, a pseudoscience and uh, it it is kind of relative. It is not a hard science as such, but I feel that we have to address this concept of consciousness and how that affects all of us. It, it is a very very uh, tricky subject to tackle. You can't really quantify it as such. Um, there are baselines that you that we have established based on just the MRI. Uh, images that we are able to uh, interpret and yeah i don't know man i i really am not sure how we are allowed to express our vulnerabilities
0: and see that's the problem right there like you just saying all that is just indicative of the problem we don't talk about emotional or mental health with our children uh, or in our families at all, like zero. That's yeah, and it's a huge question mark. Yeah, what is it like? Why am I feeling like this, right? And you know, this happens especially when you're you're growing up, especially as you reach like college teenage years. You're starting to explore the world. You're starting to you know be in relationships. You're starting to meet new friends, and at some point you're going to hit depression. Like you're going to be depressed pretty bad, and everybody goes through it. Nobody wants to admit it because of fear of being vulnerable. Because of fear of being, you know, some parents like to shout at their kids, especially in India, like scream at the kids or, you know, physically harm them and abuse them and all that stuff. And they're afraid of that happening again um, because they think that if they admit it, it's a sign of weakness and they're like, shut up. It's a phase and move away from it. Kids, yeah. That,
1: that whole, that whole concept of spare the rod and spoil the child. It's still so ingrained in our culture where, you know, it's, it's not a very, um, it's a age old method of basically how you train cattle <laughs> and it's it's not something that I, um, I would ever recommend because it it creates this whole negative feedback loop to your parents and um, it, yeah i just don't understand why those old methods are still practiced today but on the other hand i don't understand how children are forced into therapy when they are obviously developing their own Place in the world, and they're immediately placed on either antipsychotics or anti anxiety or antidepressants or attention deficit disorder medications. I feel that's a very, very personally, in my opinion, uh, is a very unhealthy way of dealing with um, the development of any human being, especially when the human brain com- only matures by the age of 25, uh, roughly speaking. Yeah. And I feel that a holistic approach is very necessary to create a member of society who covers all the avenues where he is, or he, she, or any other gender is uh, more enlightened rather than somebody who is brought up in a machine that just focuses on, you know, the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. I feel that the same character and stick method is implied in every, every other um, aspect of our system.
0: Yeah. Um... I actually have a medical related medical term related question for you. And it's okay if you don't know the answer because I just found out recently. Um Yeah, we we go we go through this process, right? Like as as you need, we go through this process of not being able to recognize or verbally describe sort of our own feelings um to another human being, to our family, to our friends. Do you know what that's called?
1: Um mm no
0: i'm not so sure so, so in men it's called normative male alexithymia you can look it up huh. uh, you, you can look it up but yeah
1: normative male alexithymia interesting
0: yeah, yeah that's that's the word i just learned how to pronounce and i'm probably pronouncing it wrong so if anybody is in that space and understands what that word is you know, feel free to reach out to us uh, twitter is at the brain juice and instagram is at the brain juice um that's but that interesting yeah but that whole like sort of alexithymia as you want to call it right it affects our relationships and you know affects the ability to relate to others i've felt it personally like you know this is the first time i'm coming out, telling people uh, i think outside of you know a certain a few people that you know depression is very real man i went through it and i continue to go through it and i seek help for it because you know thankfully i have a workplace that allows me to do it um and so I learned how to recognize or verbally describe my, you know, issues that I'm facing. And I don't think a lot of um, folks in, in, in general just do this, especially in our culture. Um, it's it's hard not knowing that it's okay to not be okay. I don't know if that makes sense. It's hard to say that. I'm not doing well. I need you to help me, mom, dad, sister, brother, um, uncle, aunt, grandparents. I don't know how to go through with this. It's okay to say that. Nobody is going to, you know, crush you into a fine powder and say that that's the worst. It's, It's okay to say that. Now, if you're not accepted, that's a different story. That's Illiteracy and ignorance on the part of people that don't understand you. And I think that's important to reach out to those people that are ignorant about it or don't know much about it or refuse to hear about it and read about it and learn about it. Um, It's important to reach out to those people and, you know, hopefully if you're listening and you think that depression is a joke, um, go back, do some reading and understand really like how you're affecting somebody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, and you know, this like, I was just skimming through the normative uh, alexithymia. it's I feel that these uh, normative male alexithymias. I feel that a lot of it is still up in the air where we're still trying to discover ourselves and trying to redefine or actually define what masculinity really is, because it is on a spectrum. I definitely feel that you can't categorize all men as a certain type and all women and other genders as a certain type because once you do that, you're trying to take away from the human experience. Now, when it comes to biology, there's definitely uh, different aspects that are quantifiable. But when it comes to consciousness, it is a very, very huge spectrum. And, you know, this whole culture where you have to behave a certain way and think a certain way, I find that very, very, um, um, I would say, I'm trying to look for the word. It's it's very non-scientific reductionism. Because if you look at biology, how it works, you have so many different ways that we've evolved and so many different uh, cultural aspects of how things are not masculine or masculine. I ho- And I feel this whole... Glorification of masculinity is just a way to, you know, have these social groups and have these stereotypes reinforced into yourself or onto others. And it's it's not helping anybody. Like you said, Akshay, you have to have this conversation with your kin and with people around you. And stop conforming to some labels that you feel is going to uh, make you feel included in some form of clan it it doesn't help
0: i want to talk about this whole toxic masculinity bit um, especially the portrayal of men in the media in part three um, in however for the next 10 minutes i want to talk to you about something Amiz, and this is something that both of us are very guilty of doing and so are all our friends at some point in our lives when we were younger if you were to exhibit some sort of you know some would quote unquote feminine behavior right you would term men gay. you'd be like basically like, "Oh my God, that's gay dude, why are you doing that?" I want to talk about that a little bit first of all, yeah, yeah, you know, being gay is who you are it's for for us to even talk about that negatively today in twenty twenty is ludicrous, just. Thinking about all the crap that the Trump administration just pulled off, you know, uh, it's it's worse than painful. But coming back to India in itself, this whole culture of, bro, you know, this poor culture and this toxic masculinity that we're talking about, it actually takes away and strips away your individuality. And yep. some men find out that they don't, you know, they, they don't conform to societal norms. They find out that they're gay only after they've gone through a marriage. It's sad because they're not allowed to express themselves early on in their lives. And if someone does term themselves as gay, we suddenly consider them a social pariah. And I know certain religions take that to an extremist sense. Oh, 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 yeah. And society, especially Indian society, takes it to a whole other uh, sense. But I wanted to talk about that. Are we more accepting of gay men in India or gay women in India today than we ever were?
1: I don't think legislatively, no, because there's always this yes and no between whether um, the LGBT community is quote-unquote legalized, which is I consider really amazingly ludicrous, because you can't delegitimize someone's existence just based on their sexual orientation. I find that Completely horrendous and really stupid because you're trying to allocate uh, a legal definition to some to somebody's um, sexual inclinings uh, I just don't I just don't get, understand it um, but yeah we when it came to me personally, I never understood what homosexuality was when I was saying the word gay and thankfully I've never had to deal with any member of my family. Chastising um, the LGBT community, so I've been fortunate in that way. But you know, I'm pretty sure that we might have had a few people who were part of the LGBT community in our school who never came out because of these social ramifications. And yeah, and especially us. I mean, kids will be kids, but if we are trying to evolve as a society, as a society, we should definitely um, make the money un- understand that certain words are toxic and not um, um, helping anybody, and especially stigmatizing somebody based on their sexual orientation is not something that should be accepted. It should be tolerated but it should not be accepted in any civil society and yeah, I mean it, it, it is such a uh, unhealthy way of looking at you, uh, looking at your fellow human being. You just should treat them with the dignity and respect that anybody would deserve. And, um, I, I, it comes back to toxic broke culture, man, where anybody who is showing signs of, uh, being out of the norm is, is just considered something that's gonna be a detriment to your tribe or whatever you want to call it. It, it. it doesn't help anybody. And if people still want to follow the ideology, I mean, I don't get it. I, I really don't understand it because you're literally creating a stigma around people who just want to have the equal rights that everybody deserves. And if you think you're above the fray, then
0: you're yeah, a shitty you're, human being. You're,
1: yeah, you're, you're no better than the special snowflakes that you project onto other people, you know, that you want this special stat- status where you're just trying to have this form of superiority. I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. And if I have ever called anybody gay um, when I was in high school, I would like to apologize. I didn't know what I was saying, but I I feel that because, you know one statistic that is completely ignored by so many people? 11% of every mammalian species in the world has uh, homoerotic or uh, homosexual tendencies. And if you Break it down uh, logically, I feel that it does destigmatize it, but obviously people are going to have their preconceived biases and notions which you can 't really change unless society as a whole
0: changes. but we can See, do our part yeah you 're thinking logically i 'm sorry man people don 't think logically <laughs> um, yeah, all right let's let's you know, let 's stop there for now. Um, this is a topic topic that we 'll explore at some point in our in our you know in our in our podcast venture. Uh, where we do want to talk about, you know, what being gay in India is like, um, because that's hard, man. Um, And I don't know how to even begin processing that whole scenario. Uh, In part three, let's talk about the portrayal of men in media. This is something that, you know, both of us really want to talk about. And um, yeah, we'll we'll talk to everybody in uh, part three. Yeah. In part three, we'll talk a little bit about how Indian men are portrayed in the media and their version of masculinity. Before we go there, though, think about all the times you've experienced toxic masculinity or you've portrayed this macho behavior. Think about that for a second and reach out to us on Instagram at The Brain Juice or on Twitter at The Brain Juice. Now let's move to part three. All right, welcome to part three, um, and I hope you've enjoyed um, listening to us. And obviously, if you have comments, questions, concerns, uh, you know, feel free to comment on our post uh, at the Brain Juice. and you know, follow us on Twitter and ask us questions on Twitter. Uh, we're more than happy to take those questions for you and uh, hopefully give you an intelligible answer. I'm not sure if it'll be helpful, but we'll try.
1: <laughs> and and anyone from the LGBT community, if they want to come on and have a conversation to discuss how the LGBT community is persecuted in India, we would love to have you on.
0: Yeah, and we would definitely love to have that discourse um, because that's something that none of us know about. And you know, we'd like to be educated as well as educating others uh, around us. So you know, if you feel like this could be a platform for you to use, uh, we are, both of us are very, very happy to have you on. All right, Amis, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the portrayal of Indian men in media. Um, boy, we, we talked about it a little bit in, you know, in part one, but like I'm itching <laughs> to get yeah. to this.
1: I, I feel like you really should just say what's on your mind because we've had this conversation before. And I, I really feel that, yeah, just start, dude. I love As Amitabh Bachchan,
0: right? I love Amitabh Bachchan. His role in Chini Kam is like one of my favorite roles in all of movies. But the trope that he portrayed when he was younger, and it was maybe a product of his time, but it influenced so many generations, was the portrayal and the trope of the angry young man. Now, this whole trope of being the angry young man had an effect and a total effect on generations from the 70s to the early 2000s, even now. Um, It's something that, was perverted into toxic masculinity. It was supposed to be a symbol of masculinity with the with you know puffing your chest out and, and you know being able to fight twenty people at one time, even though that's a ludicrous thing to do. And it it, it evolved into this you know unfortunate uh, visage of. Wow, I'm throwing out big words. We're actually throwing out big words today on this podcast. Reductionist uh, visage. <laughs> uh, just going back to it. Um, we, we, you know, how many times did you see some actor wearing pink? Yeah? You know, like, Rarely. Uh, very rarely, right? Like, and so because of that, like, you and I would have probably never owned a pink t-shirt or pink shirt or pink shorts, pink shoes, whatever, when we were younger, because of the fear of what we talked about earlier, which was the fear of being called gay or being called feminine, which is, so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, and that portrayal still goes on in Indian media. There were countless scenes that you know, we talked about earlier where you would see a man backhand slap a woman. And all you had to do was to be the bahu in the house. It's, you can, you can argue with me that, oh, that's the social setup in India. But know that you're standing on very faulty ground here.
1: Yeah, and, and just even uh, the trope of the flamboyant homosexual man that we used to observe in movies, I found that very, very odd. It it was kind of funny, but then as as I got educated educated, it it, it became less and less funny. I I mean, do you notice in those Hindi movies where the the guy is overly flamboyant, and it's such a such a horrible trope to have on a certain community? I never understood that, and then. The, the macho dude was the guy who saved the day. And then, you know, he was never considered um, unhealthy or toxic whenever he beat up so many people. I mean, it's fun and nice to, you know, have that fantasy of being a superhuman. We, when we love comic books. That's basically what those things are. But that element of um, treating the opposite genders is considered very normal in our culture i don't i never got that about uh, our cinema man well, where do you think that comes from
0: well that, that comes from you know going back right like it comes from a deep set rooted sort of historical as with everything that we've talked about in our podcast it's this whole systemic thing that's come up the portrayal of the perfect man you know, started in you know in some of our religious books too. Like you were always strong, powerful, charismatic leaders. Somehow all of them were fantastic athletes for some reason and could throw rocks over like oceans and seas and all that stuff. All of them had were ripped and had a six pack. Um, and only they were the messengers of God. And only they were the messengers of uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it was never this like, you know, balding, male pattern This is a real thing, guys. Yeah, it was never this balding person who enjoyed uh, his beer and, you know, enjoyed the company of good people. It was never that person. <laughs> like, it was always the <laughs> the big, strong, strapping young lad. There's a little bit of a Devin Townsend reference there, if anybody's into metal. Um, and, you know, in, in cinema, it was always considered, you know, like I, I mentioned Humphrey Bogart in old Hollywood. I mentioned Amitra Bachchan in the 70s, uh, you know. And you can find it in in a lot of, um, you know, modern Indian cinema as well, where, the portrayal of the perfect man is to be able to, you know, fight five hundred people, to be able to, um, uh, you know, marry whoever he wants to go and marry. Which is true, you can marry whoever you want to go marry. But, you know, you, you go in and pull the girl out from their family, and then you start to be all macho. Whatever happened to the guy who, who cries, the guy who can't take the burden of being the you know sole individual in the family, carrying the family, the man who is vulnerable, like whatever happened to that, whatever happened to the compassionate man in Indian cinema. I don't know a lot of movies that actually have that. And if, even if they do, they show men who are compassionate and allowing themselves to cry to be weak. Or if they show yeah. men who are undergoing depression, they show them as people who are in a mental ward or in a mental hospital. People are or they,
1: or they directly tie masculinity, honor, and then vulnerability as a completely set of structures. Where, yeah, I have seen a few men cry on uh, in the movies and stuff in Hindi cinema, but it's always the guy who is the most, you know, like he has everything that's going for him. But at the same time, it's always centered around the man, and I, I feel that. You, you know you're not really creating a healthy mindset of how everyday men are actually feeling and I get that cinema is supposed to be you know that escape from reality and stuff but then when those factors are not drawn into um, how normal people feel i i I don't feel that it's really that helpful because cinema whether we like it or not is our favorite pastimes whether whether you' are working whether you're young or old it is one of our best leisures. And that's why I feel like a lot of people who are in the minority status, I know I'm pivoting, but why a lot of people in the minority status in the States always felt like they lacked those heroic characters, which didn't represent their um, community. And I feel the same way when it comes to men dealing with depression, you're not given that outlet where you know what it's okay to cry, it's okay to feel vulnerable. It's okay to talk to a therapist. I have not seen any in, in the movie where the man goes and talks to a therapist at all yeah at all it, it's never considered it's always him him crying and dealing with it in, in an internalized way and then go beating up some bad guys. That's it. That is the extent of therapy that we have been taught. It doesn't make any sense. That's not how we behave normally I mean that's how that's how. You have so many uh, victims of uh, abuse in India then. That's why marital rape is not considered rape in India. Because you have such internalized anger, you're not allowed to express yourself. And I feel that cinema should be held accountable. I don't believe in cancel culture, but I feel there should be some form of um, renaissance of what actual masculinity is and it's about being somebody who is allowed to be vulnerable somebody who's allowed to have deep and honest conversations about his mortality and, and, and somebody who's not s- made, sorry
0: no go ahead
1: and somebody who's not made to feel like he is just uh, somebody who has to carry all that weight on his shoulders this whole notion of yeah you have to be a man it it has come to a point where it is dehumanized most of the world, and it has led to wars. It's led to conflicts that could have been completely avoided. That whole "my rod is bigger than your rod" competition—it's <laughs> so damn outdated. It is so silly. I don't understand that. It's—it's it's such an insecure mindset to have and to portray. Because what are you really trying to say? You know, yeah. it comes yeah. to that point where you—if you can psychoanalyze these things. It is a very, very, it comes from a very, very insecure mindset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, at the end of it all, man, you know, I feel like toxic masculinity is sort of reduces the idea of what being a man is or your manhood, you know, it associates it with aggression, violence, status, um, and it styles sort of like your emotional sort of vulnerability as a weakness that is not ideal for a man. You know, it's, it's a warped sort of idea of what a man should be and you kind of see it like ripple through like if you've ever been to a club like I don't like clubs and that's a personal choice if you've ever been to a club yeah I kind of once or twice and I have been like I see it I see it it's and you know this is not me being holier than thou or anything like that but it's it's very depressing to see.
1: The guys like, peacocking, like, oh my God. Right,
0: right. It's like very depressing to see how you approach a woman. And, you know, you know, it's about one thing. And then <laughs> and then there's two dudes having a bar fight that can't punch. Um, and, and I say this as someone who trains regularly in martial arts. Like, no martial artists will ever do that. <laughs> like, it's, funny. <laughs> it's funny as hell to see it. And, you know, it's you, you do you, but realize when you are emitting that sort of toxic masculinity trope. Now, we reduced media into cinema. Um, we talked about this a little bit, something that we both kind of you know, see pros and cons about, is social media. Now, I have one name to throw out at Uramis, Dan Bilzerian.
1: Oh my god, he is the epitome of stupid toxic masculinity. <laughs> like, oh, uh, it, it, it is, If I feel bad for the men who follow him and consider him an idol. It doesn't help your cause of trying to be something that you see in comic books or the superhero that you think that he is because that type of sexualization of women or that portrayal of women and people idol-worshipping that type of character is just disgusting. I, I never understood the draw for that. I know where it comes from. It comes from a place of insecurity and having that whole mindset of money is going to buy you fame and girls, but it is such a, such a sad way. I'm sorry to say, it's a sad way of trying to emulate success because that is just preying on the most insecure parts of what a man is. And yeah, man, I I just don't, I just don't feel that it's, It's somebody who you should look up to. I mean, I get it. It's cool if you want to think about all the guns and all the uh, merchandise he has. But then when you add the women as objects, it's just a very, very unhealthy portrayal of how men should, in my opinion, should be. What what do you think about that?
0: Uh, I don't want to talk about Dan Bilzerian as an individual because uh, we could go for another like two hours on that guy. <laughs> but you know, I, I just want to point out and say that if you do glorify him, you are buying into the pro culture. And by Absolutely. now, by now, if you if you're listening and you still bought into the pro culture, you probably stopped listening a while ago in part two somewhere. But if you're still with us, you. Really recognize who you're, you know, what you're trying to uh, emulate uh, through social media, you know, whether it's on Facebook or, or whatever, you know, just, just realize what you're trying to emulate. Um, I and if stop, this- be, stop
1: conflating bro culture and friendship with other men. That's what I feel that a lot of guys uh, feel like they have to conform to this quote unquote alpha male that they have characterized in their head through social conditioning through the media and through cinema and they think that that is the, uh, the epitome of what a uh, human being or a man is. You need to stop and nip that in the bud because it's not going to lead to anything, anything healthy. You're going to have toxic relationships. You're going to have a huge problem dating because I haven't had experience in dating, but you're going to have, this character in your head of what the other genders are about and it's going to lead to a lot of unhealthy relationships
0: yeah agreed um let's wrap this up because we're getting very close to time i wanted to leave you well i'll ask you about this so what difference do you hope to see amongst indian men especially when it comes to toxic masculinity
1: i hope that they have an honest, introspective look on themselves and see whether this is working for them and try to extrapolate the current mindset that they have into them living their lives in their geriatric years that is in their 60s and 70s. Is this form of hero worship, do you think it's trickling down in a positive way to your loved ones? and if you've had people who are toxic who are considered toxic males in your family or in your vicinity has that helped them in the long term because we can always see examples in our lives we can always see people who have focused on you know the bro culture where they just focus on material wealth and uh, shallow partners and Yeah, it might buy happiness in the short term, but is that really going to lead to a fulfilling life where you contemplate your existence and try to understand your consciousness? And I believe that once you have those conversations with yourselves, have a group of friends from the various gender spectrum uh, involved in that conversation, then I feel that things are going to change. Otherwise, uh, no, it, it won't. It has to come from a place of honest reflection. Otherwise, it's not going to change
0: yeah i agree i think in closing what i think right is that you know us as men we need to be more open about our problems especially dads like i think it starts from your dads like if your dads and fathers were willing to be that hero figure for you if you can see that your father is also vulnerable but at the same time a good human being and you talk to your dad about everything that you're going through especially for indian men because indian men don't unfortunately have great relationships with their fathers. At least statistically, that's not the case. Um, I I think that, you know, men should be more open, especially starting from the dads. Having witnessed, you know, generations of Indian men, I think, you know, if men sort of are able to communicate with each other and be less vulnerable around each other, well, sorry, be more vulnerable around each other um, and get rid of this trope, you know of of being like oh i'm a man i have to do this pump your chest and do all that stuff i understand you know gender roles do, does have a place in society when needed but that doesn't mean that you have to go keep pumping your chest all the time um and you know whoever said that right has never fallen in love never lost the job you know never Uh, lost someone that is very close to them Um, it's important to stop shaming other people and other men about it being emotional we need to create a supportive society amongst each other and that starts with you and I like you and I talking about this right now changes it
1: yeah ignorance is not blessed in something like this
0: absolutely not and I agree with you on one more thing it's important to get the perspective of somebody that's not you or not part of your agenda. You know, I learned a lot about toxic masculinity from a lot of my friends who are women. Um, you know, I keep plugging her name, Anjali, who's, who's a good friend of mine. She taught me a lot about toxic masculinity, what I couldn't see. And somewhere down the line, I hopefully will have uh, somebody else to, to talk through it as well. But I think it's important to understand where your uh, lines are. Um, in closing... Let's just put it this way. Uh, let's try to talk to each other. Let's try to destigmatize um, you know, uh, being uh, quote-unquote not a man. <laughs> right? Um, let's try to be uh, supportive of one another. I think that's the most important thing.
1: For sure. If you have any comments or questions, uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Both the handles are T-H-E-B-R-A-I-N-J-U-S. And we'd really like to hear from you, if you are on either side of the argument. Take care, everyone.
0: Well, here we are at the summit of Episode 7. We want to thank you all for listening to us today. As we grow this podcast, we want to thank you for giving us a listen. Uh, This started out as a conversation between two friends, and it will continue to be a conversation amongst many. As always, this has been your weekly dose of brain juice.